Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for joining us. My name is Tim Wheaton with MMA Saka, and today I have a man joining the show who truly does not need an introduction to MMA fans. No matter when you got into the sport, you know this man. Boss Rutten, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. You see, that's a nice way to get introduced. So it's a good way to start the day. Well, that's the thing. I know. I'm like, what am I going to introduce you as? Like the guy from EA MMA or the guy from Pride or the guy from the King of Pancrates, the UFC heavyweight champion? Like everyone knows you, man. Good. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. In the martial arts world, I always have the perfect amount of uh, knownness. That's even a word, you know, because I see some guys like a Kevin James or just the people or the guys, they cannot even pump gas, you know, and I go, oh, I, I, this is perfect. Like one every 50 people says, what's up? Well, yeah, you're famous with, you're very famous within the community, but you know, you're not a Justin Bieber. And I think that's probably a good thing, but you are living down in California. How's the weather and everything down there today? Today, it's actually a little overcast, but uh, normally, yeah, California weather, to be truth to be told, can beat that, right? It's, It's really great weather. Man, life is good. Now, we got some stuff going on in karate combat right now. So there's going to be one event every two weeks. The next one is on May 28th with Luis Roca is going to be challenging for the title. Uh, and I'm excited for this one. But tell me a little bit more about these guys. Uh, Scrivers, I, I believe he's from Latvia, is going to be defending the championship. Can you tell me a little bit more about what's going on here? Yeah, so uh, Edgar Scrivers, he's, a, he's, a, uh, he's one of those demolition Kyokushin kind of guys, you know, mm-hmm. comes forth, who knows one speed, full speed. That's it. You'll never see him back up, always coming forth. Uh, he actually beat uh, Hoja before. So Hoja has been since then constantly been telling because, you know, Scrivo says it's an excuse, he would cut weight cuts and all that stuff. But Rocha believes that he can really, truly win this time. And uh, But Scrivo, the good thing about Scrivo is he's, he's not super outgoing, but he's the opposite, like a Fedor Milianenko. And only Fader wouldn't say the things he says. He goes like, I'm much too strong. I my will. I got very forced. I just break a mentally buzz. That's why I win fights. And then he pulls a little smile. I love that stuff when they do that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. This is going to be a great fight. Dude, some of those, uh, yeah, like some of the uh, like Eastern Europeans and Russians, like Igor Volchenshin is another example of just like, man, are you, <sighs> yeah. are you human? Like, are you literally a human being? Or are you just cold as ice, right? You know, this Vovchenshin, I saw him, I was doing, I believe it was in 2000, mm-hmm. was do, maybe even 1999, I was doing, uh, commentating for the show and Igor Vovchenshin was a tournament. And the smallest guy, he fought in an eight-man tournament and the smallest guy he fought was like 320 pounds. That was the lightest guy he fought at that time. And he fought three of them and he knocked them all three out. And I, I go like, well, that Igor guy, I think we're going to hear from him. <laughs> you know, and then he uh, Prize fighting championships, you became one of the main guys. But it's just insane. I mean, we're going to get back to cardiac combat in a bit, but some of those guys, I feel like of that era, and you were the exception to this rule because you recognized of like, I'm having some issues here, but some of these guys were too tough for their own good. And like the example I yeah. always use, I spoke with Ensign Inouye and he said, I wanted to fight Igor because it was dangerous. And like, that wasn't a good idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but you talked about it. Ensign Inouye. I mean, this is a guy who, uh, whatever challenge comes his way, he's going to grab it, you know, and he sees it as exciting, you know, so, yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a whole different animal, that guy. Different era of fighters back then, but back then we also had a lot of fighters, especially with uh, kind of the prime of K1 kickboxing, a lot of very good Kyokush and karate kickboxers, guys like Francisco Filio, uh, Andy Hug, just amazing uh, Kyokush and karate kickboxers, but they didn't have an option 
to kind of go into any other higher league. So they went into K1 kickboxing. Now Karate Combat is kind of changing that, right? Yes, exactly. Now we got these guys, full contact karate with Olympic level karate guys, karate, karate kas. And, uh, and what's not love, because all these guys, you'll see them since the beginning of time, you know, like four years ago we started. They started, but they, 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 they got me early in, uh, uh, thankfully, that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then you saw literally, you, you see the involvement. You saw guys like hitting somebody one time and connecting and stopping, you know, because that's what they're used to, it's point karate. And then they realized that their opponent just kept coming and they go, oh crap, oh crap. So everybody started cross training now and they all started boxing, kickboxing on the side. So now we see these high level guys throwing combinations, wrapping it up with kicks. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see. So how does it differ? So how does karate combat differ, not from kickboxing, but from regular kind of Kyokushin karate competitions? What is the biggest differences between these two? With Kyokushin, it's almost fighting in a phone booth. You can't describe it like that. You mm-hmm. see two guys because they're mentally so freaking strong. That's like uh, they're standing across each other and they're just rolling out on that spot. That's mm-hmm. what they do. Not a lot of people moving backwards and forwards. Um, that, you know, for the people, for the people who know about it, they love that. But for the regular people who don't understand it, they can kind of come over a little weird because it's with a gi as well. There's a lot of kicking and thinking you don't see a lot. And what Karate Combat did, they tried to avoid that kind of fighting. So they said everything is going to be long. It's going to be long uppercuts. Now they allow uppercuts. In the beginning, they didn't allow uppercuts. They all wanted the long hooks and crosses and then kicks to the, uh, to the calves, not to the thighs but to the calves, because that will keep the opponent further away and then the people at home can see the beautiful technique. That was their way of thinking. And I thought in the beginning, oh, I don't know about it, but now I'm freaking loving it. So uh, I think that they really accomplished what they set out to do and, uh, and the rule set and everybody knows the rule set. And we saw Ross Levine, you saw him last week coming over from uh, glory kickboxing and doing really well in this organization as well. And he always fought with kicks to the thighs and it was, easy for him to simply not kick the thighs. So nobody has a problem with it. And for the people at home, I think it's a better view. Well, yeah, he had like, the gentleman that you're speaking about, he had one of the best knockouts. This was Ross Levine. Levine, And he had one of the best Levine. knockouts in, in glory kickboxing uh, a couple of years on the shelf, you know, due to COVID, it's not his fault. Now he came into karate, uh, karate combat and got one of the coolest knockouts there as well, right? I mean, you saw how in control he was. I mean, he... He drops his opponent for the people who don't know, who haven't watched the show yet. We have a 45 degree angle walls and it's like in a pit and those walls they can actually use to run up. And when some person falls against those, if he falls on the floor straight, that's considered down. Against the wall, you're not considered down. So anything goes from that moment. There's even a takedown rule that you can rain down strikes for five seconds and already some fighters have been stopped with it. So what he did, he knocked the guy down, he fell against the wall and then he decided to make it that's what's called the spinning back into the head while he was laying against that wall and he connected with the heel and later on he said in the interview my heel is hurting so i know that i hit him hard so but to, to, for him to make that decision to wrap it up like that that says something about his skill level man there's some cool fights in it there's some really cool mm-hmm. fights and speaking of guys who were very good in kyokushin karate and didn't have anywhere to go uh rafael i'm not going to say the name wrong but rafael Agaev is fighting in just a couple weeks here and he's considered one of the greatest of all times in karate what was the discussion like to get this guy out of kyokushin karate competitions and kind of get him into karate combat well for him i think it was an easy thing because in kyokushin cool he can fight full contact there's no punches to the face allowed though in kyokushin but it's allowed but also knees to the face that's allowed in kyokushin not in this but he also did 
uh, uh, karate at the Olympics, which is not full contact. So for him to make that decision, okay, now finally I can start hitting, kicking people in their face for real and not get disqualified or mm. lose what we saw in the Olympics, right? One person got knocked out, he wins gold, and the person who knocked him out gets bronze, uh, silver. And, and that guy who knocked him out was actually from karate combat. So uh, we, we, we've been trying to get that fight in karate combat. So they both know they can't fight full protect. That would be a really great fight. So hopefully in the future we get it. Fab, could you imagine? That would be so much fun. I feel like we're always straddling the line of like, we do want this to be a fight, but we also want a sport. And with those kinds yeah. of examples of like, that guy was knocked out. He clearly didn't win. But according to the rules of the sport, you know, he lost. It's just a little bit silly. But yeah, now we're kind of at this really cool place where we're doing a lot of pure martial arts. But from where, you know, you started a few years ago, you were telling pure martial artists to get into MMA. Now we're asking yeah. MMA fans to, hey, maybe check out some pure martial arts stuff. What a weird circle we've gone in at this point, right? It's always like that, you know, it's always going back and forth. You know, when, when, when uh, fighting came out, bare, uh, bare knuckle, I thought everybody wants to see that. You know, yes, a lot of people want to see that. But then you go like, oh, now we've got full contact karate with little tiny gloves. I mean, four arms. I mean, these things are almost don't weigh anything. Uh, glory kickboxing. Once only was glory kickboxing there, you would think, since all these people who start booing at MMA events, those are your audience, you would think, right? But then it doesn't really catch on like we would expect to catch on. And I think that Karate Combat is on the right track. I think they get a lot of views while you see the videos that are out there. It's for free. You know, you go on YouTube, you go to karate.com for the people at home. It's all free. You can check out past seasons, fights, find your, 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 the fighter that you like the most, you know, do your homework a little bit, start following somebody. I'm going to come out with some really cool technique which I cannot say, it's, it's not karate technique related, but something else is going to happen. And once that happens, I think uh, we're going to be the only organization on the planet who does that. I think a lot of people will follow it. Yeah, now I threw it out and I can't say it. So I feel sorry for you guys. I know. <laughs> I, you were like teasing and you're like, I'm going to give you a yeah. scoop here and you took it right away from me. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. I was a bit surprised too. Karate Combat is really easy to watch. It was karate.com, but it's on, also on YouTube. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. I saw, I think in the US it's on ESPN Deportes. In Europe, it's on like Eurosport. Like where is it not being broadcast? Like if you're not watching it, it is, it is literally everywhere. It's every two weeks. Uh, there's three more events. There's one on June 11th, June 25th, and the most recent one will be coming up on May 28th. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a fun little schedule for the next little while here. You're excited talking about this. If you were a bit younger, was it, would this be something that you would be interested in doing? Yeah, 100%, you know, and, and especially at the very end, you know, <clears throat> I got tendonitis and, it, and it, most of the time it came from grappling. Sometimes it worked also when I hit a heavy bag really hard, it would start the pain, but most of the time it's like muscling myself out of something, like somebody has an arm bar pulling out and I muscle myself out and that's when I, and that really stopped my career. So I think if I wouldn't have put strength, like pulling strength as much on my arms, I could have kept on fighting. Now, in mixed martial arts, I'm going to have to do it because it's mixed martial arts. We need it with the grappling. But in karate, I don't need to do it. So I thought, you know, I, I could have worked around it. That's why I truly believe. So that would have been great. You know, I'm trying to pull lure, of course, Stephen Thompson in now and George St. Pierre. Let's see if we can make a match up there. But the, with George, is not really working. I think that he's he decided he wants to retire. But Stephen, this could be a good one. Well, Stephen, so he started out in um, Chuck Norris's, I want to say WCL, where like, um, um, 
I forget some of the other gentlemen, but there was a lot of very notable fighters who started out in this league where it was like yeah. a little bit of karate, a little bit of kickboxing. Um, and then he came into the UFC and I always felt like him staying in something like a striking, a kick sport would have been more natural. Is there yeah. something on the table where he might be doing a karate exhibition? Like you're saying, maybe George St. Pierre. I don't think George would do that. He just, I don't think he's. Leoto, we got Leoto Machidas also. Oh man, Leoto's so cool as well. But yeah, yeah. Who, who would you say, let's say in a, in, in a karate combat setting, in the virtual studio, it looks like Mortal Kombat, Stephen Thompson and George St. Pierre. What do you think of this one? Oh, uh, <laughs> that would be a hard one because Stephen is really good at controlling the distance. Yet, you know, a double leg takedowns are not allowed in karate combat. Otherwise, you would think that George is just going to shoot Right away. I'm not saying that George is not going to strike. Of course he's going to strike. But, you know, if he knows 100% certain that if he can take him to the ground, he will be very effective. But, you know, George is a great game planner. His team is great, great planning. So they will do that. And, of course, Stephen, he, he, he wants to fight on distance and use his reach. And he's a very hard guy to take down. So that's a hard one. And since I work with both these guys, I'm not going to say anything about this. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. You're, you're in the nine-to-five office working with these guys. How much, how much of, like... Um... BS was it that George St. Pierre fought his whole career shaving his head and then he starts working with you and then he grows his hair out. What what is it? Was this just to, yeah, it's to annoy me. It's annoying me. He knows that I can't have the hair anymore, and it's just him for showing here. Look at me, old man. I still have hair, you have not. So we'll uh, we'll do something. I'll I'll get him at a weak moment somehow, somewhere, and so there will be payback. There will be come. I promise you that. <laughs> Absolutely. George, oh, this guy, he's so nice, I hate him. Unbelievable, this guy is everywhere, right? It's unbelievable. I mean, if you watch his Instagram, it's, it's when is he home? <laughs> I mean, he's flying all over the world. He's a very loved person, and rightfully so. It's very easy, pleasure to work with. It's great. So is Stephen Thompson and Leona Machida. I mean, having that traditional background, I think it does a lot. I'm not saying that a lot of martial arts, mixed martial arts don't have that. But most of the time, the guys who have a traditional background, there's a little bit more respect. You know, I always talk about this with the karate combat. These guys in the faces, they're talking crap, they're talking crap. And as soon as it's over, they step back, they bow at each other. They literally shake each other's hand and then they walk over. They just, I mean, 10 seconds ago, they were going to town, you see, but then there's still that respect. Okay, I might not like you as a person, but I really respect you as a fighter. So I enjoy that. And I think it's so important in any sort of combat sport setting to really have that baseline of this is this is based in respect and honor because the line between where the sport where a sport stops and where it's just a fist fight is very small. But if you always have respect and honor yeah. and we're doing the sport, you know, with sportsmanship, it is so vital to have that level of respect, correct? Yeah, and why not? You you can do it, you know. You yes, you can talk crap and then you bring it back a little bit by being respectful. That shows what kind of real person you are. You know, my daughter just had an, uh, like a 10 on her essay uh, and she wrote about uh, negativity and, and positivity and, 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 and your brain gets activated with negative emotions much more than it does with positive emotions. So what people ought to be also are pulled towards anger and the bad news and bad this and bad that because that makes our brain alive, so to say, and that's why they're watching the whole time. And it's super annoying. So in fact, so they know that if you start screaming and you do crazy stuff, you know, you're simply going to have more people watching. But it's a shame that you cannot do it as in karate combat. You can do the same screaming, scream everything. And then once it's done, you set your piece, you set your piece. Now let's respect each other, right? But then for some people, it shows, yeah, but then other people who are watching, they think it's not real. 
You know, I go, yeah, but don't think about what other people think. If you start thinking like that, I mean, I like blue, you like red. I mean, everybody has a different opinion. Who cares? You know, think about you as a person. Think about your soul. You know, think about being a respectful um, example to the kids who are watching at home. Well, yeah, and I think a really good example of this is um, someone like yourself and Kevin Randleman, where you and Kevin Randleman had a very high stakes heavyweight fight. And then you continued to call his fights for years after the fact, and it was never a big deal. It was never a problem. And then seeing where both of you gentlemen ended up, it was a very good thing to completely bury the hatchet and treat it as a sportsman, sportsman-like thing, correct? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, he started with my nickname. That's where El Vapo comes from. He started that whole thing. We became friends, you know, and, uh, and we just have always had a really great time. He's like the, the personality-wise, he's the same as me. Like we're both freaking on the edge. Woo, 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 woo. He's just an unbelievable person, man. I mean, always there to help people and the things he did. You know, when he passed away and you hear all the stories for these people that he helped online and he starts sending emails and, and the messages. It's, uh, yeah, he was something special. I can tell you that. No, yeah, the fame never got to him. He was always a grounded person who worked hard. But yeah, he's one of the good guys of the sport. Now, speaking of, you were saying I would get into karate combat if I was a little bit younger because it's healthy for me. Let me ask you a question. And I've been curious about this for years because it never really made sense to me. So I'll paint you the picture of that. You were a, a kind of Dutch kick-based fighter participating in Pancras, and you had to kind of learn submissions and learn grappling. At the very same time, was a very good K1 kickboxing going on just like down the block from you guys. What was the... Why did you never yeah. just get into kickboxing? Like, to me, it always made, didn't make sense. And I was like, man, boss room would absolutely kill in kickboxing. What, what was, why did you never get into it? <laughs> well, okay. First of all, when I was kickboxing in Holland, I didn't have the, the click yet. And what I'm trying to say is that there's a lot of people who can fight really well in the dojo, but doing it under pressure, it's a whole different matter. Now, I know Peter Ertz since he was 14 years old. We go, we go way back. You know, and I saw him. He had it immediately from the lumberjack. Exactly, you're wearing it. Yeah. He, he had always everything under control. He was fighting in the in the in the fight just like he was fighting in training. I didn't. With me, I was very powerful, explosive. So I just knocked a lot of people out in the beginning of the first round. One fight, I think, from the nine wins, eight knockouts in the first round, one in the second round. But then I took a fight against a bigger guy, like a big name, which I didn't know anymore because I was drunk when I took the fight, <laughs> uh, and they they called me. Two and a half weeks before the fight, three weeks maybe, or was it three? Three no, three and a half weeks before the fight, they called. They asked me about the seven posters to. I go, what posters from the fight? Who's fighting? You. I go, I'm, who am I fighting? Frank Lopman. I go, the animal. That was his nickname. Yeah. I go, oh shit. When did I say that? And then I realized I actually committed to that. So I go, okay, I'm going to do it because I knocked all the other guys out. But Frank was a whole different animal. This yeah. is a guy who was like, I think, 41 and uh, oh, with like 37, 38 knockers, like the animal, right? So yeah. I shouldn't have taken that fight because I wasn't at that level yet. Now, once I became to, when I went to uh, um, Pancras from the very first show on, I don't know what happened to me. And I'm literally, the thing, if people could tap into my mind during the fight, what I'm thinking, I'm literally going like, what the hell is going on? Every, I see everything. I hear everything. I started acting in certain things. And while I'm act acting these things, I go, this is why am I doing this? It was the most intense thing there ever was. And then suddenly I flourished. Then I became the spider that I was in the gym, you know, and then I started going up. So then, of course, after, when that started happening, people also like you, they would say, why don't you go to uh, kickboxing? Yeah. Well, first of all, the lightest guy in the K1 <laughs> is probably 245 pounds. 
me, I was at that time under 200 pounds. And, and that was even because I grappled a little bit in the power trade. If I would solely do kickboxing, I think I'm going to be like 190. And then to face against these monsters, monsters like Ernesto, who's Peter, Ernst, I mean, Amy Borjanski, I mean, freaking Sammy Shield, seven feet tall. Yeah, that's, if that's going to be a tournament in one night, guess who's going to get the most damage? This guy right here, because they're all machines, you know? So, no, I bow respectfully to those guys. They're really good. I'm happy I trained with them. I do really well in training. I can tell you that. Uh, but, you know, competing at that level, yeah, th th those guys are different animals. They really are. And, and you're, that's such a good example of exactly what I was saying about you. You were very reasonable about, like, you knew your body. Whereas yep. some of these guys, like, I, I don't want to be rude, but like guys like Peter Ertz and, um, and Semi Schilt and Remy Boniaski all fought well outside of the years that they should have been. Like, Peter Ertz fought like two years ago or something like that. And he was an old yeah. man 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, but that's, you know, I, everybody tells me all the time, you're so smart, you stop. But, you know, it's, I got to give that up to the Lord because he just gave me a whole bunch of injuries. And I simply couldn't fight anymore because I would have been the same knucklehead. I would have kept on fighting. And eventually I had such a great record leaving, you know, like 22 fights, not a loss in my last 22 fights. Great way to stop. But if I would have continued, I would have no injuries. I'm going to lose. I mean, those guys have my age, you know, who started training when they're freaking 10 years old. When, when I had my first fight, they started training, you see. And then I go, oh, they're born in 93. You know, and yeah. I started fighting in 92. So you're going to lose because you can't train as hard anymore. And mixed martial arts has so many ways to win. And so, yeah. so you have to work on everything. The wrestling, I mean, it's kicking my butts, my knees, my tendonitis. No, no, I'm happy that I got a bunch of injuries, which I hated at the time. But now I see it. It was given to me by, for a reason. And uh, now I have a really beautiful record to, to leave out and uh, yeah. to yeah. left the, the, the beautiful world of mixed martial arts. I think it really helped your legacy a lot because the things that you did after you were active in combat sports were were absolutely massive. Like, I mean, the pride calling. I think I think more people may know you from the pride calls than than they do maybe from your fighting career. Uh, yeah. What was some of what some of your favorite? And I'll give you mine. But what were your favorite calling moments in Pride FC? Mine was Shogun, who was two thousand five run. The the supernova. Shogun. The smile tells the story. I'll never forget that. That two thousand five run made me the fan I am today. That it was yeah. life changing for me. What were some of your favorites? Well, you know, we were up with the Nogueira brothers, and they're so freaking tough. And then, of course, Merkel Kroko, Pedro Emilianenko, Quentin Jackson, man, when he came in and what they did the very first time when he fought Sakuraba. First, he was in jail. They had to come to America to get him out of jail. Somebody ratted him out who didn't like him. And it was a stupid thing. It was not even necessary. Yeah, I remember that. That was the police station. Dude, they showed that picture on the, on the, in the newspaper. Uh, cover of the newspaper, you know, I mean, that fight was so big. Then they let him lose 26, I'm saying 26 pounds, couldn't even be more. And like, it was something insane that he had to lose before the fight. And then pulling up on a performance like that against Sakuraba the very first time. I remember when I pulled him to the champion, because he was the king of the cage champion, right? Yeah, and the Stephen Quarters and myself, we yeah. both talked to him afterwards. And we said, dude, if you keep your crap together, you know, you could be huge in this. What you just did against that guy. Yeah, but I lost. I go, dude, like with all the things you went to, losing 26 pounds and on the same day or something crazy, you know? And I'm going, coming into late, all that stuff. Animal. And then against Arona, that slam. I mean, everybody knows. It's like the Anthony Pettis kick, you know? Those are things that in a thousand years from now, they still will be there. People go, oh, did you, you never saw that? Oh, what's this? You know, and I go back to town. 
that was the greatest thing about the show and the packages they had and on every fighter, you know, which they wouldn't want to show in America for some reason. I have no clue why, but that's, you know, if you saw the original show, it was so beautiful and so well put together. We just had a great time doing it. It was, you know, and the funny thing about Pride FC, everyone I talked to about it, whether they were directly involved or indirectly involved, it la- it, it's been gone longer than it ever existed. And the other organizations like Dream and Ryzen have been around for longer. And yeah. they haven't had that same impact that Pride is, where we're still talking about those, like our, the Arona Slam and stuff like that today. Like there was a little bit of magic in Pride and there's no other way to define that. It was, you know, I, I, I always give this example. I remember this is before the UFC got really big. Um, and Dana came to watch because when Chuck Liddell was fighting and he came to introduce Chuck. So Chuck wasn't fighting on that card yet. And it started, and I don't know what show it was, and the pieces came out, and the music, Saitama Super Arena, 48,000 people, I mean, completely packed. And I remember, I'm looking back from my table, and I see Dana standing, he's literally with his mouth open, and he catches me looking at him, and he goes like, it's just crazy, I go, right? I mean, it's insanity, and then the boom boxes underneath the cage, or the ring at that time. You know, I mean, the sound, where we were sitting, I mean, we get free massages, man, from the, the, the boom, the boom boxes, water drilled through your body. I mean, if people would know, we did seven hour shows or eight hour shows. There were moments that I'm talking on air and I'm literally peeing. I literally <laughs> had bottles with me and I had a little curtain here in front of the table I would put over there and I would lean over and get a Gatorade bottle. Somehow that works. <laughs> and then if people would only knew what you had to because there's no way you can, you know, if you sit there for seven hours and you drink some coffee before, you will have to be so uh, yeah those moments but they make it they make it nice right they make it always fun so it was a seven hour broadcast but it didn't stop there you guys had an, an after show that uh the details are a little foggy from everyone i ask about the after show it's like how late were some of these uh pride fc post fight events oh they would just do it uh, after the show you know they most of the time we would record also things before but if we had a, a uh, like it's Antonio Inoki was there, you know, for instance, then, you know, there will be a party. I mean, uh, I forget his name. It'll pop up in a little bit. Sonny Chiba. I met oh, yeah. Sonny Chiba there, dude. I was so cool to meet freaking Sonny Chiba. I used to watch it. <laughs> it sounds that he makes, you know, with the karate. So yeah. badass and with the, with the x-ray vision. That's where Tarantino has it from, you know. You hit somebody and then you see the x-ray, you see the skull break. And that was all Sonny Chiba stuff. You know, so to meet all these people and once they're there, you have the after parties and then they come, of course, with cameras and do these fun things. I remember we, uh, uh, Antonio Inoki was there and they heard about me that I was a fast beer drinker, but he, he was the best and he could beat me. And I go, no, I don't want to do it. So, oh, you're afraid? I go, no, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to beat him and I don't want to embarrass him in front of everybody else. So, but I said this on purpose because now, of course, he wants to do it. And it was funny because I think it was... Uh, Rico, uh, Rico, 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 the, the uh, UFC Rod, champion Rod, heavyweight. Rodriguez. Rodriguez, jeez, I'm actually going to Chaparelli. I'm trying to go, sorry. <laughs> um, he was there, then, uh, okay, uh, uh, Inoki was there, and myself, he had these big beers. Yeah. And they said, and everybody goes, and go. And I go, 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 and I put it down. And I go, see, I know, I win. And as soon as Rico put it down, he threw everything out again. <laughs> and then the third one. It was Antonio Inoki. I said, I told you, I didn't want to beat you. I just walked away. It was so funny. Reverse psychology. That's what it is. I don't want to do it because I don't want to beat you in front of the world. You know you're going to take the fight now, right? <laughs> the best thing is. 
<laughs> Man, what a great story with Anthony. You know, he's an absolute, he's, a, he's, I mean, combat sports legend would be a little bit inaccurate, but the things that he did led to the start of pan craze. And like, I'm not going to, I don't know if it can directly connected to the UFC, but it directly connected to pan craze, the things that he did in his career of like the pro wrestling he did was almost kind of similar to what you guys were doing in Pancrase, but the, the fight that he had with Muhammad Ali, of course, was a mixed rules contest that directly and, kind of yeah. led, right? And then Nico Budokan, that was, that was in the Nico Budokan where I fought. That's where I won two world titles. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, I watched that fight, what you're talking about right now, with Kings of the Square Ring, that was this documentary thing with Benny the Jet and all these guys and freaking insane, Gene LaBelle. And that was, that fight was also in there. And I, I, I was 17, I think, when I saw that fight. Uh, on video cassette and, and and if I would have known at that moment that I was going to win two world titles in that same building where Cheap Trick played I want you to want me right how freaking cool is that and then yeah he set it up and I heard the ins and outs you know that Ali spent two and a half three weeks in the hospital after that in Japan I heard right? that. Yeah, yeah yeah I heard that from Josh Gross's book yeah because they they start taking all his weapons away because they realize suddenly oh he's grappling he's going to be done so no more grappling no more this no more that. and they and the only thing he was allowed pretty much was kicking the thighs. And then Inoki came up with this super smart idea. Yes, for the people, maybe not that super exciting because if he fell on the ground, Ali was never going to jump on top of him because then he was going to get submitted. So he would run in the low kick and then fall on the ground while he did the low kick. So there was no target. He couldn't hit the hat every time, but he really messed up his leg. Yeah, it took a long time for him to get back from that. But could you imagine if they negotiated a good rule set, like where, like Pancras would have started 20 years earlier. Like if they yeah. negotiated something where like, okay, you can do takedowns, you can do punches to the face on the ground, et cetera, et cetera, these all adjustments. But instead it was just, it felt like a waste because even like it was broadcast in the US at arenas and stuff like that. It was an opportunity yeah. that was still good looking back, but at the time it, it was kind of a wasted opportunity. It was, it really was. And then, and then you have to also the uh, Milo Savage, I believe was his name against uh, Gene LaBelle. Yeah, I mean, that was a boxer fighting a jiu-jitsu guy. And later on, they found out he had literally like metal in his gloves and all that stuff, you know, and Gene choking him out. Uh, so yeah, those guys, they really set the scene. I went to train at the Inoki's Dojo, this is a long time ago, but he still, he was like 65 years of age or something at the time already. Yeah. And uh, when I walked in, he was laying in the splits all the way forth with his belly on the floor. He was just stretching and uh, the guy's in incredible shape still, till this day. Just one of the coolest people to ever exist. However, Boss Rudin, it sucks that we were all running out of time here. It's this thing, we just kind of get into it and then like time yeah. just flies here. We've done more than 30 minutes at this point. But uh, my name's Tim we, with MMA Sucka. Make sure to check out Karate Combat, which is coming up. Uh, it's just going to be on May 28th, June 11th, June 25th. It's every two weeks. Check it out on karate.com, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. Uh, but Boss Rudin, you get the last word here. So talk us on out of here. Where can the people find more? All that good, good stuff. Yeah, karate.com, you mentioned it. Just go there. All the information you need to know, you will find there. What to watch on YouTube, what TV channel, it's all there. You know, and, and, and you really want to tune in for that uh, Screevers fight against Hocha because that fight is it's, it's a rematch. Hocha lost the, fir- lost the first time and he vowed revenge. And, and Hocha trains with the Pitbull brothers. I mean, he was training at my gym with the Pitbull brothers. And I got to tell you, man, when I saw him strike, he was really doing well in the striking department. So I go, okay, this is going to be a whole different animal fight. And uh, um, yeah, you cannot miss it. So check it out. It's coming up on the 28th. I'm really excited for it. And Basrun, a massive, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Hosuk. That's what we're saying. For the people at home, it's O-S-U. So the Kick Machine guy, all these guys, Sam Greco, Andy Hook, all the people you talk, Filio, L-S-U comes from two words. Oshi means push, and Shinobu means endure. To push and to endure. And they put those three letters together, O-S-U. That's why it's Osu, and it's not Osu. Is that correct? Look at that. <laughs> That's it. What an honor. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, sir. You're welcome, brother. God